Um, so talk a little bit about work and how futile and how much vanity and worthlessness things are that we accomplish here on this life in the whole scheme of eternity. But also think about this passage and how it's going to talk, and we'll look a little bit about work and things like that, but trusting in God. You know, that's what it all gets down to. Sometimes we just think, we got to make it happen, and he'll make it happen. And I think about, as Ben read this text uh, here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, if you notice 25 at the beginning of the text and 34 at the end, both of them start the same, don't worry. We never worry about a thing, do we? Never worry a fret or an angle. I tell you, think about that. You know, I tell people, I've never seen worry ever really accomplish anything positive. But we can sure fall into that trap. Now, if you pray and give it to God, much good things. But that's that's hard to do sometimes. Especially if you're a person. Some of us are these kind of people, just let me do it myself. And so you kind of get in that mindset a little bit. But I think about this when uh, the idea we've been talking about trusting in God, I think one of the toughest things for people to trust uh, God in is that he'll take care of our physical needs. He'll take care of it. I think we try to take God's work away from him. We try to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. And I think about that with governments too. You know, God, he put governments in place. Their primary purpose is to punish the evildoer and give peaceful situation for those who do good. It's not to take care of everyone's needs, physical needs. Now, as an American, that's hard to believe now that that's not the purpose of a government. But that just give me a peaceful place to live and I'm happy. We'll take care of it. Matter of fact, in the long run, God will take care of it. So I think about how easy it is to fall into that trap. We talked about how important work is for people, though, like in uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 this morning, uh, with the idea if a man doesn't work, don't go through potluck. Now, you don't need to eat, and if you're not willing to work, you don't need to eat. And, you know, I'm always of the opinion if you go long enough without eating, you'll go to work. And so I said, we're not in here to give free rides, and it appears with the church of Thessalonica, you had several people trying to get free rides, a few people working themselves to death to support a bunch of people that didn't deserve being supported. And he says the church isn't a new thing now. And we also mentioned Genesis chapter 2, how God gave Adam from the very beginning work to be done. He's made us, he's instilled, or hopefully instilled in us, the idea that industrious people are way more invaluable than those who are freeloading off everybody else. And sometimes it's hard to find people who are willing to do their part. So I think about this text when it says, God will take care of this. As a matter of fact, you look at it, it says, why do you worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on? Uh, Why are you worrying about those things? And then verse 33 says, you seek first the kingdom of God, and he'll take care of this. He'll take care of the food, shelter, and clothing. You know, it's hard to trust God to take care of that. That doesn't mean we don't work. We do. We're going to do those things. But we've got to understand first and foremost is the Lord, his church, and doing the right thing. Now, when I think about trusting God for all our physical needs, a lot of passages come to my mind. We're not going to look at a 
lot of them. We're going to look at a few of them. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and read from about verse 6 through verse 10. Excuse me, that's verse 10, 10 through 12. But let me remind you of in Matthew chapter 6, right there early in the chapter, the so-called this day our daily bread. You know, we, we have a hard time praying that because we've hoarded up enough food for the day. I always think about that. You know, man's like that. Mankind's like that. They just, if they can, they're just going to try to stockpile everything so one day they don't have to do anything. You guys remember the whole thing when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and the manna? There's guys that if he, God would have let them, he'd have stored up everything on Monday. So the rest of the week, he didn't have to gather up nothing. So God took care of that and gather up enough for the day because he needed more and more a day until they got it. And to show you God's hand was in it on Friday, he allowed them to pick up for two days uh, because he allowed them to pick up for Friday and for Saturday because he wouldn't allow them to do anything on Saturday. But that day, it didn't rot. Pick up enough for two days. think about that a lot. Well, I know we don't typically do that. We don't want to do that. And if you're like me, we probably, I think about that sometimes with clothing. You know, you get kids grow up in a pretty good-sized family, six kids and stuff. Didn't have a whole lot of clothes growing up. But I own so many shirts and I could live the rest of, if I live another 20 years, I could never buy another piece of clothing I wouldn't run out of clothes. Now, it might mean you don't get to be the most fashionable person. If I wear it, it's fashionable. I'm a trendsetter, not a follower. But anyway, so no, you look at it. So what is, who cares? Uh, people get lost in things. And I've also found out after about 20 years what was around comes around to being worthless. And... Uh, but no, you look at this, we've got to trust in the Lord. Look at this passage here in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness, that means the idea of seeking after the Lord, that God's working in your life. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accomplished by contentment. But you've got to understand godliness. Well, it is great gain because godliness turns out to eternity and we need to learn to be content with that. For we have brought nothing in the world so we can take not, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Can you bring anything in? No. He said, guess what? We can't take anything on either. <laughs> if we have food... This goes back to the idea of Matthew 6. If we have food and covering, food and covering, so if you got enough to eat and you got clothes and you got a roof over your head, let's see what it says about that. If you had food and covering and much wealth and big bank account, and no. If you have food and covering with these things, now this is important to me. He didn't say you should be content. We shall be content. 
if we've eaten today and we've got clothes on our back, what important are we? We should be happy people. Do Americans think like that? You know, I think about when I was a kid growing up, and I think about when my dad was a young man. The American dream when my dad was a young man, I think this was American dream. You work hard, and you'll be able to put a roof over your family's head and feed them and clothe them. That was the American dream back then. If you do that, you are a success. Today, that's a definition in America of a failure. That's all you can do? I think about what you need to have and don't need to have. We get spoiled. Don't get me wrong, I kind of like it this way. I know you don't have to have Netflix. I know you don't have to have central heat and air today. Now, I never lived without electricity for any extended amount of time, and I know people have. I lived in a bunch of houses at some point. You know, you, I, I think about that. My kids, when I told the stories about when you're young, you think about that as you get older, you like to tell stories of embarrassing things. So I talk about when we went out and sled, and we didn't own no gloves. Because as soon as you own a glove, what's a kid do as soon as you own a glove? He loses one. I don't know why. So you've got a lot of left-handed gloves and no right-handed gloves. So if they're going to wear one, now they got to wear a left-handed on each. But when we were kids, and they said, you went out of the house like that? Well, everyone did. You know, we just put socks over our feet. That's how we went out and played. You went out in public like that? Yeah, so did everybody else in town. So what? But today, oh, it's all about, no, these people are going to look. Can get lost in that, can't we? So he says, We're, We shall be content if we had food and covering. But those who want to get rich, is that what Americans want to do? Have we been programmed to think about that? Want to get rich. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and snares and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. I think about that almost every time I go to put gas in my car. I'm a cash guy, so I go inside to put. And half the time, no, almost every time, I got to wait for people who I've seen around town who can hardly make ends meet, squandering all their proceeds away on a lottery ticket, hoping they might win something because they've got a better chance if my lightning came time to do that. I mean, the odds are so much against us. If I just flush it, give me that, I'll flush it down the toilet. I tell them all the time. I'm, a, I'm more likely, I believe this, I believe I'm as likely to win the lottery as they are, and I've never bought a ticket. I'm, it might blow across the parking lot. You know, the odds are probably about the same. But it's just like, here, why don't you just work and deserve what you uh, have, and the Lord said, I'll take care of you. But you need to learn to be content. You don't just need to always be, and then he says, for the love of money, nothing wrong with you own interest that bit only for the love of money you can fall in some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs thinking they've got it all God wants you to be content kind of like some of the songs we sing in here the language of some of the songs we sing you've got a mansion but don't silver and gold. It's not making you rich or valuable. It's not talking about a gold coin. Obviously, silver and gold is not talking about that. It's talking about a mansion. It's talking about 
all the diamonds on his head, all the gold on his head, all the hay on his head. He owns all the ox on his head, all the It's my father. That means if my father owns it, you know who else owns it? I own it. It's ours. God is. So when I look and see those things, I see things in them other people don't get to see because those are my father's. And I'm his son. And how important that is, and not to lose sight of that, those things that no one can really get their hands on. Let's look at another idea, this idea of another passage, this idea of the Lord, we've got to trust in him for our physical needs. Turn to me over to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Here we go again. We started over there in Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry, don't worry, right? Don't worry in verse uh, 25 and then don't worry in verse 34. Well, you look here in uh, Philippians 4 and verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing. Does that mean don't worry? No, instead of being anxious and worry about it, what's he say? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So quit worrying about it and pray about it. You jump on down. We could read a lot, but you jump on down to uh, verse 19, and it says, And my God and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God will take care of everything. Now, you know what? It's not easy to let God take care of it. What if you were the three guys they're turning the furnace up seven times hottest it ever been and going to pitch you in it. Easy to trust God to take care of you? I still love their words. Now, if God wants to save us from this fiery furnace, he can. But whether he saves us from this, we're not telling you God has to do that. If he, whether he saves us or not, we're not bound by that. We're not telling you God's going to save us from this. We're not telling you God You trust the Lord. Whatever he decides to do that day, whatever. Or a guy thrown in with a hungry lion. We could go on and on with, you know, I always think about Paul and Silas being chained up, thrown down in the bottomless pit of a prison down there, and they're in the worst position. And it still amazes me they decide, we're going to take this little thing over and throw it in there. And it still amazes me what they sing. They could have sang a lot of things. You could have said, and they sing spiritual songs. But what it says is they sing praises They, In that situation, they still lifted up their voice in praise, not, oh, God, help us, in praises to God. Well, you know how God heard that one too, didn't he? And we get back to the evangelism thing. Yeah, there was a little evangelism going on down there that night, and the jailer and his household, they were all mad. It's easy to say you trust God, but in tough situations, it's kind of hard to do. Look on down in chapter 4 a little bit further here, uh, or at least in a little different place here. Go to, um, go to verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received, revived your concern. Indeed, you were concerned for but lacked opportunity. Listen to this. Not that I speak from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. He goes on and says, you know, I've learned to enjoy life when it's prosperous, and I've learned to enjoy life when I'm hungry, whatever happens. He just, you know, we can't let 
the situation control our thoughts. We've got to be in control of our thoughts no matter what the situation is. We have to determine that ahead of time. And we have to trust in him. And God will supply us. We must be prepared. I also like it. Look at this one here. I like this one a lot. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 and verse 11. I just want you to see something in this verse. It says, <clears throat> Matthew 7 and verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, that's my Christmas, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Can't God take care of you? If we ask, he can give us the good things we need. You know, back there in Philippians 4, he said, not that I'm asking from want, difference of what you want and what you need. I think of another passage that comes to my mind there. You guys uh, think about Romans 8 and verse 28. He makes all things work together for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. Wow. He doesn't promise. He said, you know, a lot of people just quote the first part. God together are good for all. Absolutely. God makes all things, causes all things to work together for good, not for everyone. Those who know the Lord and are called, it's a Christians. He promises that. Now, he doesn't promise we're going to live in the nicest house in the neighborhood. He doesn't promise we're going to drive the best cars there are. He doesn't promise we'll have the fattest bank account. What he promises, we'll have a reward waiting for us in heaven. And those other things, you know, I always think what success is. I think Luke 16 is one of the greatest chapters about success. It looked like one guy was successful. When they their life ends, we find out who appeared to be successful was in the worst shape he could be in. And the one who looked like he was the loser was the most victorious one in the whole thing. See, that's whether you look at things by your eyes or by your faith. Verse 5 said, we walk by faith and not by sight. But it takes a lot to trust in the Lord when you're going through a bunch of physical things. This is a passage I think about a lot, a lot more than I used to think about. So always think about that. The Lord gives us capability to do things, earn a living, make money or whatever. The Lord's blessed me and given me abilities that I can do this or do that. Why has he done that? Why? You know, you think about that when, I don't care, you get paid, you get a check, you get some money handed to you. Why did you make, what? why did I make that money? Because I deserve it, man. Because I deserve it. So I can spend it on what I want. Well, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to this in verse 28. Ephesians 4, verse 28. I think we need to realize this. And I think we've got to always realize it. He who steals must steal no more, no longer. Okay, he can steal no more. But rather, so not only does he have to stop stealing, but rather he must labor. So a thief doesn't quit get to be a thief and just sit with their feet up. No, they're to labor. And he says, performing with their own hands what is good. Are right, some labor not good? Can you get a job that's really not good? Oh, yeah, you can get a job that isn't really good. 
oh man, I get this, this job pays real good, but I, I'm going to have to be a bartender. What? That's going to be a good job, all right, according to God's definition of good. I think not. And so we're going to do what is good so that, listen, he will have something. This is why you make this money. So that you will have something to share with the one who has need. God doesn't just make sure I make money so I can have what I want. He said, Kendall, I bless you with that so you can help other people when they're in need. I don't think most people think like, it's mine, it's mine. Kind of like a little bitty kid. You get a little bitty kid, I don't know how old they are, 18 months old, they got this little toy and a little friend comes over and they want to play with it. Mine, mine, mine. Lots of adults that are like that. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I think about that when it's time to give of our means and to give and as a way of worshiping God. I, I, I would trust that all of us, we could hardly wait to have it as part of our worship and also we're able to give it to God in other ways. But for some people, man, it looks like I've got to pry it out of them. Mine, mine. No, let's don't be like that. No, we need to be glad that God has blessed us with what we have so that we might share with them. I don't have much. think about these stories that's told in the Bible of, that were real, really happened, about this little widow woman, two pence, less than a penny. Wow. How much can she give? I'm guessing. person who has two pennies and one person who has two million dollars. If one person has two pennies, who gets two million dollars? If one person has two million dollars, who would give two million dollars? Let me ask you this. What percentage did this person give if they gave two pennies? A hundred percent they gave it all. This guy has two million dollars. He has to give how much to give the same thing she gave? She has, he has to give now, Kendall, you can't compare apples to oranges. Don't blame me. The Lord told the story. He said, I tell you what, she gave it all just to serve him. So I always tell people when you start talking about giving, don't play, don't get the widow out. Because, man, sometimes I think there's been times I've really given very sacrificial, but I've never given it all. Physically given every penny I had. Well, how are you going to do that? I don't know how's that lady going to eat that day. Yes, the way she always did, she's going to love Jesus like that. She's going to love him like that. The Lord will supply. And you know what? I don't want to be mean to any of you. And even if you're diabetic, it probably won't kill you if you don't eat. You might not feel the greatest, but it probably won't kill you. Matter of fact, some of us, it might do. So, I mean, you look at that. We just have trust in the Lord that he'll give us what we need, and we have to know he gives it. Share. I think of another passage over in, I love this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. And it works with everything. And obviously in that passage, it's talking about monetarily giving to the work of the church. But he says, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. So if you give a little, how much are you going to get in a little? 
give a lot, how much you going to get? A lot. Is he saying you get out of something what you put into it? That's exactly what he's saying. Let me ask you this, since Dennis brought this up. It's all Dennis' fault, so don't get mad at me. So you're going to study the Bible, and you're going to memorize some verses. So one day a week for 10 minutes, where do you memorize a verse? I tell you, you're probably not going to get there. But let's say every day that week, you're going to schedule three or four times in the day, every day of the week, to go over this verse every day, three or four times a day. What's the chances of you memorizing it? Much, much greater. Because it all depends on how much you're willing to put in it on how much you can receive. You know, there's too many people in religion, in the church, they're looking for a congregation that can give them what they need. And the church shouldn't be that way. I'm looking for a congregation that can do this for me. That's not the way. And I love the person that says, man, I, I'm just looking for a congregation where I can serve and give. Well, you know, I like those kind of people. So you look at that, I just want to do his will. I, I'm not... Here's what you can do, Vernon, and here's what you can do. Kathy, this is what I need you to do. You all need to say, you know, you just look at that. We No, what can I do to help? How can I serve? What what part can I? You, yeah, if you had time, you can turn over to Acts 20 and verse 35. I love this passage. Most people don't really like it because it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, we're in a time of year where see in their face, they're so, just so giving, 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 and I tell you what, and you get that from them, and just seeing their face with the joy they had in giving, it makes it more valuable than any, what anybody else gave to you, and they got joy in it, by just, oh, I just love it, and oh, they just can't hardly hold it. But it is more blessed, because when you give something, and you see that other people can that, and other people enjoy that, that, that's more valuable than getting your stuff. And so it is more blessed to give than receive. We need not to sow sparingly. Let's look at one more together here real quick. Um, turn with me over to James chapter 4. We look at this passage from time to time, and we usually go right to verse 17, and we will get to it. Because here's what I think when you think about who we are physically. You know what? I've, I've looked at a lot of things. I've lived long enough that you can kind of see things happen in history. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were about my age, maybe a little older, and they were talking about in construction working at an early age. said about starved them. They had to go get another job. You know why that was? That was something called the Recession. Those of you who aren't old enough to remember that can't remember how tough that was. I tell you what, we're getting ready to go in another one of those, and you're about to find out, you're going to find out life's a lot tougher to live than you've ever experienced because you weren't adult enough in the 80s to remember that. Because I'm telling you, it got tight, tight in a hurry. I mean, it got where you could afford food, shelter, clothing, and gasoline, and that was about it. And there wasn't going to buy anything new, and just so you know, home loans then, if you had a really good credit rating, 
might get a home loan at 14.5%. That was the rate that I heard. Now, the people that live now, they think that's the craziest thing I ever heard of. I'm going to tell you what, there was a lot of 16 to 17% home loans in those days. And so you look at that, but here's what it is. doesn't want us to have all the stuff we have. We don't need it. We don't need it. Here's what we need. We need just to pass this understanding. We need to trust in the Lord. He sent his son. He, his son will return, and the faithful will go home to heaven with him. But look here in James 4. This will be our last one to look at. Verse 13. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and engage in business and make profit. We act like everything is going to just be on. Well, you know, we were, and I don't think it's wrong to plan for things coming up, just like uh, right up here is one of those cards, and Dennis mentioned. It's not wrong to plan for things in advance like our friend and family day. Well, we're going to have a friend and family day next Sunday, Lord willing. I'm telling you what, if Jesus comes back, I'm not going to be here for I'm going to be where I want to be more than that, you know, and I'm going to be the reason we're having friend and family day. And so you look at that, he says, don't always worry about all these things. He says, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. many times in my life, a lot, and I've preached a sermon one Sunday, and I've met the other three on Wednesday and Sunday night, and it's like, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know what will happen. He said, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that, but as it is, we boast, you boast in your ignorance, all such boasting is evil, therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it in sin. You know, you even think about all that passage, and if the Lord wills. That all is the big thing about trusting in the individual. I just need to trust in the Lord. You know, that's interesting because Dennis chose a song about trusting the Lord. And you know how God knows you trust him, and you know how other people know you trust him? By whether or not you obey him. So, you know, don't tell me to trust God but you've never confessed the name of Jesus or you've never been baptized or anything. Don't tell me you trust in the Lord if you put other things ahead of him. Don't tell me you trust in the Lord if the money comes in. Don't tell me you trust in the Lord unless you obey him. And you guys have heard me say this before, and I, this is Kendall in me. This is how it appears to me. I believe it's a lot easier to obey the Lord than it is to trust the Lord. But I also know that if I trust the Lord, I should be able to obey the Lord. So if we can help you any way this afternoon, in any way in your